crazy storm. I'm Peter. And I'm Felice. Welcome to our travel podcast. We're specialist travel writers and we've spent half a lifetime exploring every corner of the world. So we want to share with you some of our extraordinary experiences and the amazing people we've met along the way. This week, we're in France, on the frontier with Spain. We're high in the central Pyrenees, a one-hour drive from Toulouse Airport. And we're going in search of big and beautiful brown bears. Penny Walker fell so in love with the region that she emigrated from her native Yorkshire and now lives here in a remote hamlet on the French side. She's absolutely passionate about the mountain range and its furry, four-legged inhabitants. Along with a host of year-round action-packed adventures, she organises tracking safaris from where you might, if you're lucky, catch a glimpse of these elusive and controversial creatures. Penny, welcome to our podcast. Now, tell us what fascinates you so much about bears in the Pyrenees. Oh, gosh, yes. I mean, the bears are one of those emotive subjects. It's, uh, it's a very controversial subject in the Pyrenees. The presence of the bears hasn't been welcomed by everybody. But the bears have been in the Pyrenees since time immemorial. They've been there for thousands of years. And we did have a native Pyrenean bear, which, well, unfortunately, the last one was shot by a hunter in uh, 2004, I believe it was, which was such a shame because the Slovenian bears that were reintroduced on the reintroduction program in 96, there were four of them reintroduced in 96, they were intended to um, help to build the population of, of brown bears in the Pyrenees and to help sustain the native Pyrenean bears here. Unfortunately, as I say, the last one was, was shot by a hunter in 2004. So that was a real loss to the community. The Pyrenean bear was extinct. And so Slovenian bears were introduced. And how many of them are there now? Well, mainly in the central Pyrenees, we have around 50 brown bears now. The population is expanding. The reintroduction program is continuing. Three brown bears were shot by, well, were killed by people, killed by man last year, unfortunately, and they have to be replaced according to the law. So the authorities are hell-bent on preserving the population, growing the population, which is, which is absolutely fantastic news for those of us who are passionate about the Pyrenees and the bears that uh, have been here since forever. I've actually seen bears in the Pyrenees. Oh, have you? Whereabouts? Well, in the Val d'Aran, but I have to add to that point, they were in a cage because these were among the first being reintroduced. Probably, as you say, in the early 2000s, I can't remember the exact date, but if you go from Vela up towards Bakira, yeah, up towards Bakira, on the right near the village of Artes, I think, there was a, a caged area where they first had the bears there and they just arrived. I, I went there at the end of winter and they were just waking up and they were pretty grumpy looking. I wouldn't want to meet them in the wild too much. <laughs> well, to be quite honest with you, they're, they're pretty secretive creatures. They're much more afraid of you than you are of them. They're not the, not the grizzly bears that you have in North America. The brown bears are, are, are a much milder temperament. They're generally out and about early in the morning, dusk and at dawn. And they, they tend to keep themselves to themselves, apart from in mating season in April, May time. And also in the autumn when they're feeding up for the winter months, that's when they tend to be seen on the mountainsides a lot more. But at this time of year, yeah, they're generally hibernating and uh, you, you won't see them. So how do you track them if you're interested in spotting one? The key is to work with a local expert. Now, the adventure creators work with a couple of bear experts in the area, one on the Spanish side and one on the French side, who know the movements of the bears they know their habits, they know, they know their, how they live in the mountains and where they're likely to be. 
And they tend to track them using the infrared uh, motion detection cameras, which are incredibly useful. And they, uh, if they take some of our guests up into the mountains for maybe three or four nights spent under canvas. And you're up at, up at dawn and um, obviously watching the bears at dusk as well. And they, they know exactly where they're going to be, pretty much. So it's the best chance that people have got of uh, actually spotting them. Um, it's, it's with a local guide. It's, it's the best way. So we actually spoke to someone about hiking in America and she said bears were a problem there because she was camping outside for months on end and she had to have special bear cans to put all the food in that were bear proof. Yes, I I have heard that indeed. Yes, I mean, fortunately here, that's not not really an issue. These bears from Slovenia and their offspring, they, they, as I say, tend to keep themselves to themselves. They tend to stay well away from man. They prefer to just keep themselves undercover as much as possible in the, the, heavy, the heavily dense woodland and to yeah avoid man if at all possible. So thankfully, they're not of the same kind of nature as those North American bears. So if I want to come bear tracking with you on your, one of your holidays, tell me what's involved. Yeah, I mean, you would arrive in the Iran Valley, generally. That's where the, the holidays tend to take place, so the adventure holidays with the bear tracking. And you'd meet your local guide who'd explain to you all about the, the adventure, what was like going to lie ahead of you. And then you'd be taken up to the mountains in a 4 before to a spot which would be, um, it, it would be assessed based on where the bears are at that time. It would make sure it was downwind um, of the bear, so that your scent would not be passed on to the bears. And you would set up camp and scan the hillsides with your binoculars for a sign of the bears out uh, grazing, hopefully, in the evening. And the pattern would be repeated over the next two or three days. You'd go with the, the guide to look for tracks of the bears in the mud, in the, uh, in the woodland um, below where the campsite would be. And look at the motion detection cameras as well that they have. They, they take the card out of the, the camera and they put it into a little tablet and play the, the card back so you can see what footage has been recorded. And I can tell you the biggest thrill is seeing that there has been a bear, seeing the footage of the bear right on that spot where you're standing. It's as it, a shiver goes up my back. I've, I've seen this twice now. And it's the most thrilling moment to know that you are standing on a spot where that bear has been. Mm. And presumably you look for scat, bear poo. Absolutely. Yes, I've been fortunate enough, again, when we've been hiking in the mountains, we have a good idea of where the bears are hanging out at any given time. And we've been on a couple of hikes in the mountains where we have seen bear poo. I must send you a photo, Peter. (laughs) (laughs) We've seen this bear poo and the, the tracks of the mother bear with two young bears, two baby bears alongside cubs of obviously baby bears. So yes, we've seen the tracks of the bears. We've seen the scat. I've, I've collected bear, bear, bear fur off the trees where they've been rubbing on these little collecting points that the um, the authorities have placed on certain trees. And yeah, it's, it's absolutely fantastic to know that you are in the same environment that these bears are inhabiting on a day, day-to-day basis. But there is a problem with sheep and farmers, isn't there? There is, but there doesn't have to be. This is one of the big frustrations in the area. The farmers, particularly in the Ariège department, seem to be hell-bent on getting the bears out of the area. They do not want the bears there. They think the bears are a risk to their sheep, but there are grants available to enable them to protect their flocks. They can get a a Patu guard dog, which is honestly the best deterrent to bears that you can ever 
possibly have, who will warn the shepherd and ward off the bears if they do so much as approach the sheep in the evenings. They can also get grants for the electric fencing that they can protect their flocks with. But they seem to much prefer the compensation that they get from the government for the loss of sheep that can be attributed to bear attack. With the emphasis on can be attributed to. That's right. And this, it's a really emotive subject because particularly in the Ariège, they put in a tremendous amount of claims. We're talking about thousands of claims for sheep that have been killed by the bears. The majority of those are awarded, even though... In actual fact, those those sheep were probably not killed by the bears. Bears are omnivores. They prefer not to go out and kill. They pr- prefer to graze off the, you know, the, the berries and the shoots that are found on the hillsides and the bilberries in the autumn. It's only if they're really desperate that they would normally kill. So, yeah, the farmers and the pastoral communities, particularly in the Ariège department, are pretty radical. And even some of the uh, people in authority higher up in, in the area, in the Conseil Général, they seem to be very anti-bear as well. And they're supporting the farmers who are against having the bears in the area. So, Penny, when did you first go to the Pyrenees? Oh, gosh, now then, that was back in 2004. 2006 was the first time I actually visited the Pyrenees. It was just for for a holiday, basically, to explore. And we went skiing up in Andorra, which was really quite beautiful. But we'd always wanted to live in a mountain environment. We obviously knew of the Alps. We'd been to the Alps like everybody does, let's face it. But it was always too populated. There were too many tourists, too many people around. It was... It was a, wasn't the environment, it wasn't the, the community that we were looking for. Plus, of course, house prices in the Alps are so expensive. So we started exploring the Pyrenees back in 2006, 2007. And we very, very quickly realised that this was the environment, this was the landscape we wanted to be in, this was where we wanted to, to be. And uh, we, we haven't looked back, Peter. Honestly, we haven't looked back. It's just the most incredible place to, to live, to adventure, to explore, to enjoy food. Yeah, it's a great area. So where did you live before you went there? Sheffield. <laughs> I'm sure you, you can... St- it is totally different, and I'm sure you can you can detect the uh, shy, slight Sheffield twang that I can't get rid of. Um, but yeah, we lived in Sheffield and explored the Peak District a lot while we were up there, obviously, hiking, climbing, fell running. Yeah, I mean, it was a beautiful area, but obviously Sheffield is not the Pyrenees, as you say. Very different. So whereabouts exactly do you live in the Pyrenees? We're right in a tiny little hamlet at the head of a tiny little valley, right in the centre of the Pyrenees. It's it's pretty much equidistant between the Mediterranean and the the Atlantic. It's about two and a half hours to to each. So yeah, we're in a tiny little hamlet, really rural community. We've got the mountains twenty five minutes in one direction, and we've got the plain and the uh, the auto route that goes up to Toulouse fifteen minutes in the other direction. So we're sort of perfectly placed. To, um, to really make the most of this part of France, yeah. I have to say. It sounds perfect. I'm really jealous. <laughs> and I should say, Felice, that the weather is absolutely perfect most of the time as well. We're sort of, we've got the good mixture of the Atlantic weather systems and the Mediterranean weather systems. So it's not too wet, it's not too hot, not too cold. And the big thing, I suppose, about the Pyrenees, I find, is that the two sides, the Spanish and the French sides, are completely different. Yes. You go through the, um, the, the Becerra Tunnel... To the other side, and it's you've got a you've got a landscape of gorges, limestone gorges, big dramatic scenery, much much drier than here on the French side, mm. where it's lush, it's jungle esque in parts. I find, mm. 
And it's, yeah, it's the contrast. I, I go into Spain, I feel like I'm going on holiday and it's literally <laughs> just up the road, you know? So yeah, we're in, we're in a good place in the central Pyrenees. And I think that's what a lot of visitors do appreciate as well. It's uh, the climate is really exceptional. And as I say, we've got Spain literally just across the border, just along the valley, where again, you can have a completely different weather system. It could be perfectly sunny on that side. And then on this side, we've maybe got a lot more cloud. You, you don't have to travel far to get good weather. So what other things can people do if they're staying with you in the Pyrenees? Oh, gosh. I mean, there are so many wonderful experiences here in the Pyrenees. Majority of our adventures are action based. They are based in the mountains. People can go rafting. They can go river canyoning, which is an exciting sport if you're into the water and you love uh, the thrill of adventure, the adrenaline of jumping into deep pools off these big waterfalls. Um, People can go horse riding. They can go rock climbing via ferrata. But my personal favourite, the activities that I propose uh, wherever I possibly can, is the pastoral, uh, the pastoral activities where people can really experience the heart of the Pyrenees, life in the Pyrenees. They can visit the shepherd up in the mountain pastures surrounded by his flock to find out about his life there. What does it mean to be a shepherd in the Pyrenees in these days? How do they handle the threat of the bears? How efficient are the guard dogs? Being immersed in the pastoral environment with a person who spends the majority of their summer up there is a, is a really special thing. And the other thing that really I encourage people to do is to discover the gastronomy of the Pyrenees, the food, which is truly exceptional here. I mean, cheese, I could talk about cheese until the cows come home. <laughs> Um, or the sheep in my case, because I much prefer the sheep's milk cheese. We do enable people to visit the local sheep farms where they can see the sheep being milked. They can taste the cheeses that are produced. They can learn about the whole raising of the animals in the Pyrenees subject, which children in particular are absolutely captivated by. And I have to say, a lot of people don't realise how well you can eat in the Pyrenees on both sides of the frontier. Well, that's, that's the beauty of it. On both sides, you could, you could be having tapas for lunch in Spain and then pop back to France and have crepes for your afternoon snack. You know, we have two gastronomies for the price of one. But certainly the, the cheese, the charcuterie are exceptional. We have the black Gloire de Bigorre pigs uh, that are raised in our area, which produce the most delicious jambon, the hams, the cured hams that you could possibly imagine. We have master chocolate makers as well for those who have a sweet tooth. I can arrange for people to, to visit the chocolate maker and see him actually making the, uh, the chocolate in his laboratoire, as they call it, in his workshop. And then obviously and, there's all the tastings that go with it. And some quite serious local wines, on, again, on both sides of the frontier. Oh, totally, yes. I mean, the Ariège in particular, there are some wonderful little vineyards in the Ariège, which I think a lot of people find quite surprising. They have no idea that wine is actually produced in the Pyrenees. And then obviously further west, you have the Gironçon vineyards near Pau, which produce a whole range of wines, not just your dessert wines that a lot of people know Gironçon for, but some lovely dry wines, even rosé Gironçon wines are produced there. And then a little bit further north, you have the Saint-Mont vineyards and also Madillon. It's, yes, it's a, it's a fantastic area if you are into your wines and even beers. Now that we haven't mentioned the beers, the, uh, the artisanal breweries in this area of the Pyrenees are truly incredible. If you want to change from your wine, I can highly recommend a little tiny microbrewery that's based up in Luchon called the uh, Brewery de Vanasque. 
And they again produce blonde beers, they produce darker beers. All the, the base product is the water, the spring water, spa water that comes out naturally from deep wells in the ground that has a particular mineral quality about it. And that makes a really quite a different tasting beer to any that you'll find anywhere else. So what kind of temperature do you normally get in the Pyrenees in, in summer, first of all? Well, that uh, is a very hard question to answer because with climate change, we are seeing some, uh, some quite interesting weather phenomenon at the moment. Generally speaking, in July and August, temperatures can, could get up to the uh, mid to high 30s. But obviously in the mountains, it, it's much cooler. It's a wonderful environment in the summer if, you're, if you can get over sort of 1500 metres. It's generally very dry. But again, we are having these exceptional weather circumstances where we'll suddenly get enormous storms that have come out of nowhere. The winter is very variable at the moment. We would normally have a fairly sort of equal temperature winter and moderate snowfall. But the, the patterns over the past few years have been really strange, again, thanks to climate change. This winter, we had exceptional snow in November, as well as December and January. But now in February, when you'd expect it to be midwinter, we've got 20 degrees. Yes, that's extraordinary. It is absolutely extraordinary. So there is no real pattern to the weather here, nor is there in probably any other part of Europe at the moment. So you feel at the moment that spring has come early? Totally, yes. All the trees are coming into bud. The fruit trees are budding up. The, the, the catkins are out. I'm just hoping we don't have a really cold, chilly uh, snap coming up, which will uh, obviously kill a lot of the buds that are erupting on the trees at the moment. So what sort of sports can people do around you? Can they go cycling and skiing? You can do both. I mean, that's one of the beauties, I think, of the Pyrenees at this time of year when the, the weather is unpredictable and you can't guarantee the snow. There's so much more that you can do. As you say, cycling is a big sport here. And it's not all about the big coals, the big Pyrenean coals that you see on the Tour de France. The cycling in the foothills is, is just beautiful. You're cycling on quiet country lanes through tiny little villages, stopping for a cafe creme, occasionally a little cafe that might be open along the way. And also there are greenways that families can cycle with younger children. Uh, we can arrange bike hire where children can cycle on very calm, quiet, barely frequented little lanes. And that's, that's a beautiful experience for families, particularly in the summer months. And off-road mountain biking as well. There's a tremendous amount of off-road mountain biking here, Peter. Yeah, the Enduro World Series, uh, we have one of the stages takes that's taking place in our area of the Pyrenees uh, in September. And it's uh, the, this part of the Pyrenees is becoming known as a mountain biking mecca with tremendous number of world-class routes opening up, single track options. There's plenty of uplifts for people who, uh, who want the extra help rather than having to pedal up the hills, obviously. But yeah, the mountain biking is truly exceptional and it's a little known destination for mountain biking as, again, most people go to the Alps. And e-biking as well? E-bikes are a big, big up-and-coming business here, absolutely. And I think that's particularly the case for people who'd very much like to tackle the, the coals that are featured on the Tour de France every year, but don't have the legs for it. And I have to say, I class myself in that category these days. I used to love cycling the coals on my road bike, but uh, yeah, the old legs are deciding that it's maybe uh, time to, uh, to, to stop that malarkey. We're definitely e-bikers ourselves. Are you? Oh, fantastic. No, I mean, the, the e-bikes, you can, you can hire e-bikes for, for road cycling. You can hire e-bikes for mountain biking. There, it's definitely an up-and-coming big sport in the Pyrenees, and uh, there are opportunities for everybody. 
And what about skiing? Where are your nearest places to do that? We've got a lovely little ski resort that's literally 20 minutes up the road from us here called Le Mortis. Um, it's quite low altitude. We do, obviously, it does obviously depend on the uh, the snow conditions, which are quite variable at the moment. But when it's uh, it's snowy up there, the, the pistes are absolutely beautiful. It's a gorgeous setting with pine woodland and easy slopes for children and a couple of slightly harder slopes for the for the adults. But the bigger resort is uh, Perigood, which is uh, up above Luchon. There's a great variety of ski slopes up there, but there are also plenty of opportunities for people who don't ski. And again, I class my Myself in that category I'm one of those that's got all the gear and no idea I would love to to, to learn to ski properly and uh, get myself some lessons to to be to be more confident on the skis but in the meantime I enjoy the, the snowshoeing up in the mountains and uh, also going out with the huskies in the winter that's a great experience not just for the kids but for adults and, and individuals as well yeah we've done that in in the Alps and also in Canada it's oh fun. beautiful really isn't it wonderful? I mean, we're really lucky to have a, a chap here who who breeds the huskies, who used to be a vet, actually, who is absolutely passionate about the animals. And uh, when we arrange a husky experience, people will meet the dogs, they'll learn about the different breeds of husky, about their pack life, about their diet, about every aspect of, of husky life. And, and then they can go out with them for a walk attached to one of these harnesses. They can take them on a, a training walk up onto a high point with the beautiful mountain views. It's a really different experience, I think, for people who enjoy the mountains and uh, want to learn about a dog that they traditionally only associate with winter. So can I come on holiday with you and do a variety of different activities inside a week? Oh, totally. Absolutely. Yes. I mean, the, the holidays are totally tailor-made. You can choose which activities you wish to do. And we'll then put everything in place to, to create a tailor-made itinerary for you. So we make all the bookings with the activity providers. We make restaurant reservations at our favorite local restaurants where you'll eat local food prepared with seasonal local produce. And you'll basically, basically just need to turn up. We'll present you with your itinerary, talk you through where you need to go, who you're going to be meeting, and you can just relax and have fun and enjoy the Pyrenees. And what kind of accommodation? The full range, everything from chalets on campsite through to some, oh, we've got some lovely little bed and breakfast that we work with. The ones that provide evening meals are my absolute favourite because, again, you can you can enjoy the local produce prepared in-house by somebody who's passionate about the area. We've also got a couple of absolutely fantastic four-star hotels that have just opened up in the area where you can have a bit more luxury, but not sort of the over-the-top luxury where you feel a bit a bit awkward. It's all very relaxed. It's very welcoming and very, very warm. The four-star hotels here are not your traditional four-star hotels, I think it's fair to say. Well, it sounds like my kind of holiday. Can I bring my dogs with me? Absolutely. Yes, please do. I'd love to meet your dogs. <laughs> And the beauty is you can drive down as well, Peter. You can take the car. We can arrange a stopover on route for you. So bring the dog, come and uh, let him loose, her loose in the mountains and uh, enjoy a bit of mountain time. Absolutely. I can't wait. So where do you see yourself in the next few years? Will you be expanding into other areas or just keeping doing the same thing? 
Oh, definitely expanding. Most definitely, yes. We're currently exploring options much more on the Spanish side of the Pyrenees. We have some excellent contacts that we're cultivating over on the Spanish side to offer people the best of both the French and the Spanish Pyrenees experience. The river rafting, particular on the, the Spanish side, is truly incredible. And the, uh, the river canyoning as well is an experience like no other. Canyoning down a massive limestone gorge with these dramatic sides, steep sides, it's in, in, in summary is just the most incredible experience. So yes, hoping to expand on both Spanish and French sides and also further east and west along the chain as well. And can you just explain quickly for people that don't know, what is river canyoning? River canyoning is uh, an experience in which you descend a river gorge that in the summer is filled with water uh, running down from the high mountains. You're with a guide. You don't need a rope. You have a wetsuit on. You jump from um, ledges into these deep, pools of water, clear, cool mountain water. You can take a Tyrolean down a waterfall, landing in a pool of water at the bottom. You can slide on your bum down these rock slides into deep pools of water. Kids love it. They absolutely love it. And we have canyoning for every ability as well, from novice beginners right through to your, your more adrenaline-seeking uh, teenager who's after a thrill. Can you also go river rafting in the mountains? The river rafting in the Pyrenees is really exceptional thanks to some hydroelectric facilities that we have upriver on the on the Garonne. The, um, they have these water releases in the summer where they let the water go from the reservoirs up uh, further up the Iran Valley, which swells the levels further down and creates these most incredible rapids. This is even in August when you'd expect river levels to be really low. So it's uh, the grade four, I think even up to grade five rapids they can reach some times are, are just a fantastic environment for your water adrenaline junkie who's looking for an experience that uh, you won't get in many other places in August, it has to be said. And then Via Ferrata and climbing? Yeah, Via Ferrata. We've, we've got a couple of excellent Via Ferrata courses here as well. And they're a great option for people who want to really challenge their head. There's one just across the, the border in Spain, which is my absolute favourite, where you've got a great mix of the, um, the metal rungs going up the, the rock face, with the monkey bridges on these uh, little wire monkey bridges. And again, it's, it's in a real, really kind of out there environment where you've, you're surrounded by the mountains. If you dare to sort of turn your head for two minutes and actually look at what's around you rather than concentrating on uh, going up a, a rope ladder. It's a beautiful environment and it's, it's a great challenge for not just for kids, but for adults as well. It's, it can, be, can play a real mental game with your head, but I love it. So if people want to book with you, do you have a website? Yes, we do indeed. It's uh, adventurecreators.com is the website where you'll find all the adventures that we're currently offering. But also we do a lot of tailor-made that is maybe not on the website. So if people have something particular in mind that they're, they're wanting to, to do on holiday, we can create a tailor-made trip for them and make arrangements with all the activity providers. We can arrange any length of horse riding up in the mountains, any length of cycling tour, self-guided or guided. All the options in numerous so yes please do get in contact with us if you're looking for some fresh mountain air and a bit of exercise and do you feel more french now than british do you think you'd ever go back to britain to live there to be honest uh no <laughs> i have to be honest i feel totally french here in the pyrenees it's a really deep feeling but that maybe a lot of it stems from my ancestry where it can be traced back to the french in in the 10th or 11th century i believe one of my relatives did a one of these historical analysis of the the family line so i do have french blood in me albeit a little bit diluted 
but yeah, no, definitely I feel more French. I absolutely love the language. I love the people. I love the, the culture, the gastronomy. No, I can never go back to the UK. Well, right now, the idea of an action-packed holiday in the Pyrenees sounds like a dream. Penny, many thanks for coming on the show, and we wish you and AdventureCreators.com the very best of luck in the future. Oh, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you both, and thank you so much for the opportunity to tell people more about the Pyrenees. That's all for now. If you've enjoyed the show, please visit our website, actionpacktravel.com, or you can subscribe on Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or any of the many podcast platforms. You can also find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We'd love you to sign up for our regular emails too at peter at actionpacktravel.com. Until next week, stay safe.